happening now. We'd like to welcome our viewers from across North America, around the world, and even all the way up in the northeast corner of the United States in Maine. My name is Wes Fryer, and this is the EdTech Situation Room, episode 91 for April the 4th, 2018. And I am delighted to be joined tonight by some very special friends who are podcasting innovators and early webheads and all kinds of, of wonderful Wonderful uh, people. So um, I am the director of technology here at the Cassidy School. I realize I got my Thunder shirt on today, um, but we have been kind of trying to get into spring, but it's been weird. And I think Easter this weekend was colder than it was Christmas. So anyway, it was a little above freezing, but you guys have probably been, you know, you got a lot more weather to talk about. And we won't just talk weather on the show, but yeah. I want to send it all the way up to, I think, Wells. Uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll send it to, is it, are you in Kennebunk? Where are you? Where are South, you tonight, Alice Barr? South Portland, Maine. South Portland. Very good. <laughs> so hi, I'm Alice Barr. I am the instructional tech coordinator at, at Yarmouth High School in Yarmouth, Maine. And I will send it on to the ski queen over there. <laughs> and I am Cheryl Oaks, and I am recently retired as of December 1st. And my part-time job now is the Actum, the main conference for October. And the rest of the time I am skiing, and today was 99 days of, ski of consecutive skiing. Not consecutive, but 99 days this season since oh, November wow. 20th or something. Wow. Well, if you want to see Facebook Live on the slopes, I, I watched Cheryl recently, you know, from the ski lift. And I was like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. So tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow's going to be day 100. Yes. All right. Special beverages and, and, uh, maybe you're going to do a couple of coals of lobster for dinner. Is that what? Oh, I would love to. Not, not quite. Our friends are just getting their traps back in the water. So it'll be another week or so. Okay. Very good. Well, it's going to take me a minute with my rig tonight to get the chat up, but I see we've got a viewer and we do want to encourage anybody who's watching us live to join our chat room, uh, that's next to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are going to talk uh, some, at least, about some uh, recent news for technology through an educational lens. But we want to encourage you, if you would want to check out not only the links we talk about during the show, but others that we don't have time to visit about, because there's always a few of those. Um, edtechsr.com slash links has the Google document where we have feverishly shared some different things and some Geeks of the Week and and some other things. So... I guess let's just talk about what's what's new in our lives because we haven't we haven't really caught up in a while. So I know I so, heard uh, I heard the last show that um, your son was home for a break. Yes, and you know I would just call my mom that night. I was like, was it kind of sad when you know the kids would leave? And so we're kind of living a different season of life. But yes, he was here with us for spring break, and his good friend um, Fu, that has been his friend throughout. High school and everything who's going to OU was with us for Easter and we got to have a have a big meal together. Dad cooked a couple quiches that turned out and he flew back to Colorado. So he's doing well. And Sarah's a senior contemplating a gap year. We're going to go in two weeks to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And there's a conference there called Atlas, which is for independent school uh, tech directors and technology people. And I went there last year with Shelly and Burbank. And this year, Felix Giacomino will be there and some other folks that I've gotten to know. And anyways, uh, we're going to turn it into a college visit. So she's going to get to see three different schools. Um, let's see, Emory and Henry and Shenandoah. And then right in the middle is the University of Virginia, which we just can't pass yeah. Charlottesville without, you know, seeing that. And then, and then Rachel's in eighth grade and she's starring in Susical Junior tomorrow oh, and Friday. She's fun. one of the bird girls and she, uh, she's got over 800 subscribers on our YouTube channel. And how will I say this tactfully? Um, you know, it can be the teen years are interesting years. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. But. Things are, you know, things are going pretty, pretty well overall. So, and Shelly, and Shelly yeah, has made the change this year to come to our school. So after four oh. years of positive tomorrows, you know, teaching with one to one iPads, yep. uh, all homeless kids and serving those families, um, she's now at the um, 
what we would say the best private private uh, school, best school experience, you know, in our state. But we, um, you know, I experienced that cognitive dissonance for two years, my first two years there, you know, because mm-hmm. we, I mean, everywhere has challenges, but it, yeah. and it's not like, you know, everything is a bed of roses. We've got, uh, as a tech director, I have one other full-time uh, person with me and we support uh, over 900 students and 170 faculty and staff. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but it's really been a great transition for our family, you know, and we all, Rachel and Shelly and I, Um, coming into what has been a fairly traditional school situation, which has not had, you know, a lot of technology and coming out of that one-to-one has been very interesting, but, um, you know, we've found, found ways to find devices and we've got Chromebooks and our kids are doing a, an animal research project right now that they're, I discovered this website called archive.org. I'll put that in the show notes, but it's mm-hmm. a really wonderful place. Um, just, you know, having your documentation or your attribution right there. And uh, the kids are so quick and she's doing a lot of coding. So she's actually on a code.org webinar and she went to San Antonio here a couple of weeks ago. She was picked as an Oklahoma ambassador for elementary grades. And so she's, you know, code, um, Scratch Junior, PBS Scratch yep. Junior, yep. and she may come to your neck of the woods. She really wants to come to that MIT Scratch Conference at the end oh, of July. Great. Great. And so anyway, we'll see if that can come about. But she's seeing her kids and their excitement with coding, just telling their story, because I love it when kids have not gotten inhibited with their own drawing. So yeah. like everything with the third and fourth graders, it's like their own drawing, you know, and they're just all over with their stories and recording their voices. And so that, you know, Boy, yeah. that, that's good stuff. Well, so anyway, that was a long, that was a long that, update. Yeah, but that's, well, it's been a long time. It has Alice, been. I have to hear what you've been doing since December. Uh, so recently I went to Dallas Town, Pennsylvania with Kern Kelly and two of his students, yeah. the Tech Sherpas, and we, the four of us did a student tech conference for sixth graders. That was fantastic. So his two students, one of them did augmented reality. Uh, the other did flew drones. Um, uh, Kern did, um, some spread, you know, scripting in spreadsheets and I did the coding. And it's interesting that you were just talking about kids being uninhibited with their drawing. And this was totally the case. Um, we gave them like a starter. Uh, place in the code, um, the Google code, uh, environment and that, but it uses scratch and they just went crazy. They had so much fun. There's a racetrack and they had can change the cars and, you know, oh. make them go faster and slower. And so they went crazy. It was really, really, really fun. I haven't taught sixth grade in a very long time. <laughs> Um, but it was really cool because we had four sessions and the kids rotated through the sessions and they were so cute. This was like a leadership program. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of them came in bow ties and suspenders and dresses and they were just really, really, really cute. It was a really fun day. And of course they brought the big drone with them. So we were, they were flying that at lunchtime and, you know, it was just so much fun. And then um, today I had Google uh, augmented reality team come um, to do the beta testing with high school kids and uh, two really neat, they're not Googlers, they're like um, uh, consultants uh, who came and young and talking to the kids about what AR is and they have probably 25 lessons you could choose from. So I really have to give my teachers a hats off for uh, taking the challenge because there's not a lot of information or there's some lessons, but they're not really lessons. Mm-hmm. They basically give you a slideshow with a bunch of pictures and say, this is what you're going to teach. And, but they don't, you don't get the training till that morning. And so we actually trained the entire staff this morning, um, which basically is putting them in groups of two or three. 
They're, they have a selfie stick with a phone and you point it at a QR code and the object pops up and you can walk around the object. Ooh. And I mean, people were really excited about it. Um, and then we had half hour sessions all day long with the students and teachers just totally embraced it, took the challenge, um, brought kids down without really knowing what they were going to do. And it was a really fun day. And they, one of the trainers asked at the end of every session, you know, he really wanted honest feedback and he would say to them, is there, is there anything in this that you did this morning that wasn't engaging that you didn't like and not one student, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, was negative. So that was really interesting. They gave him some great feedback. So it was a kind of a cool day. I think when it comes out, I think it will be. Uh, I could see some uses for it. I, I, you have to kind of think of it as like going into a museum, kind of. Was this um, the Google Expeditions beta? Peggy George is in our chat room. Hello, Peggy. And she was Peggy. wondering if that's what, what this was. Yes. Yes. It's the AR beta expeditions. Yeah. So more of a museum type experience well, than traveling places, or was it a mix of both? So it, you have to think it's 3D objects, right? And okay. so basically the 3D object is projecting over your environment. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with dinosaurs, you point the the phone at the QR code and a dinosaur pops up, right? So, And you can see the dinosaur from underneath, on top, all around. So that's really cool. But the next question is, how are we going to integrate that with with curriculum, because we're like right now they're just showing it's just objects. Because it's not there's not a creation level to it where they can make it yet, right? They're they're not basically yet. taking tours that others have made. Correct. I was in Ohio a few weeks ago and and got to sit on in on an Apple session and they were you know showing off AR and we had a chance to play and it was yeah find a flat surface and then different yeah. objects. So yeah, I'm looking for that creative side as far as right. when we can make it ourselves or when we get to remix and so have so have you played around with the merge cubes at all? I have one. Uh okay. I ordered it. Actually I saw Felix Giacomino tweet about them being, you know, very inexpensive. Here at Walmart and they've for some reason they bought a whole bunch of them. They're really cheap and we've got a district that's buying them for all kinds of teachers. Yeah, they were a dollar at Walmart. Yeah. So so I bought a bunch and I played around with it and I was like, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. However, I just learned the other day that you can create shapes in on shape and bring them into the merge cube environment. And I will find those notes and put them in the show notes, but, and I haven't tried it yet, but I, I think that's, to me, that's the ticket because if we can get the creative. Well, or Minecraft. One of the, the neatest project last year probably was we have our seventh grade, uh, no, sixth grade social studies teacher that does a Roman unit studying Rome and architecture. And so the kids can build a physical diorama, but then they can use Tinkercad. So they create aqueducts and the Parthenon. And so they created them and they 3D printed them, but then uh, we dropped them into Minecraft. And so then we were able to do some brief. It wasn't as much as I would have liked. I mean, yeah. it, it'd be great. But, but you know, one of them was like, oh, that's the the Oculus and the Parthenon and that should, you know, be That's open. So and, cool. and then they were flying around, you know, explaining that. I mean, <laughs> so if we could see that in the classroom, you know, and bridging those kind of creative environments, I, I haven't even researched that, but if anybody knows of that, if there's a Minecraft to AR, I think there is, I think I saw something about that at there's, one point, but there's gotta be. Yeah. That but. sounds really Really cool. I'm kind of like that too, though. I mean, I think the AR has been a flash in the pan and it's really sexy and wow. And people get excited, but I, I haven't seen the, the meat of the let's create it, you know, yet, but I think yeah. it's good. So hopefully. Yeah. All right, Cheryl, what's it like to be retired? Is it all you <laughs> hoped it would be? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, um, you know, I've skied every day. I've been able to read what I want to read, watch um, movies and documentaries, uh, listen to podcasts, no competition for this podcast, but, you know, just some things that always went on the back burner, always went on the list, you know, for 
Oh yeah, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Um, so that's been fun. And then just being on this conference committee, uh, chairing it and getting involved in like the backside of the conference. Alice and I were part of the Actum conference committee for years. Um, but this is a whole different view and coordinating people. And we're looking at a new presentation soft, um, presentation software where people can go online, put their presentation, and then our whole conference committee will be able to go in and review it. Oh, great. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, and then it just has some other interactive pieces that it can take all of that data and then put it into a program or put it into an app. And so all of those things that we sat around a table with sticky notes, putting sessions into rooms and changing them is all been digitized. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well one, one of the things that would be good to good have to share, share get a little echo. Well, maybe, maybe you, Cheryl, do you have any head, a headset or living earbuds? No. Okay. It's okay. It's gone now. Okay. Google, Google heard me. It, it, AI, it all, it all fixed. Um, <laughs> so if you all would just summarize briefly your experiences with one-to-one computing and devices and time, because you all are exceptionally unique in the swath of, of educators across the United States and the world. What, what does that look like at this point in terms of how long you all have been involved in one-to-one and what kinds of devices you've helped kids and teachers with? Alice, do you want to start with the um, the Mac side, and then I'll jump sure. in on the other part? Sure. So we've been one-to-one since 2004. Um, we've been Mac all the time. So we went from iBooks to MacBooks to MacBook Airs. And now we have 11-inch MacBook Airs for all of our students in grades, well, let's see, now 5 through 12. Um, Which is about how many kids? Um, it is about, hold on, I have to do my math. It's a little over a thousand kids. Um, and we also went one to one grades two to four with iPads and then were like two to one in first grade with iPads. So, and basically how the programs works and how we've been able to fund it is that we have bought uh, our MacBook Airs on a lease, a four-year lease, lease to own. At the end of the four-year lease, we buy out the MacBooks, and for the last few years, they've been $49. So we'll just buy the entire set, and we then push those down. So in the state of Maine, just to be clear, grades 7 and 8 are funded by the state of Maine. Uh, nine through 12 is a lease purchase. So, but at the end of the seven, eight time, you can buy out all those MacBooks as well. So like the last buyout that we did was grade seven to 12. So we have a lot of computers. We've been able to push those down into the lower grades. Um, but what we found was we really liked the iPad for the two, three, fours. Um, they use Seesaw, and so that's been a very powerful program for them to share work and, and be able to share it easily with parents um, and community. So, so yeah, we're kind of morphing away. I don't know if that, that exactly answers. But. Oh, no, absolutely. How about you, Cheryl? Um, in the school district that I was in, we started with the seven – well, let me back up a little bit. Alice and I were involved in the training of yes. 7,000 um, 7th and 8th grade teachers when we first began this project. And um, I think there was five years of teacher training, professional development that went so. through speed. And so that was, you know, way back 2004, 5, 6, 7, you know, till 10. And since then, um Apple has still provided, and the um, Department of Education has still provided some training, but it's been on a um, district by district basis. So that you could say that your district wanted to learn how to use science tools, technology, digital tools, and how that would interact with your um, 
MacBooks and MacBook Airs and iPads. So it was more, you know, started out macro and then it got into the district level. And then um, when we had a shift in governors after Angus King um, left the governor program, the lease, well, the seventh and eighth graders continued to get the state-sponsored um, equip, dig, digital equipment, and then the lease programs expanded to grades nine through twelve. Um, then, with another governor, the the devices went from being all Macs to um, some HP. I think there was a contract with HP and um, Apple, and so districts could choose which device they wanted to have. And so all of that is to say that it really has changed over the years, but the common theme is that putting the hand, putting devices in the hands of students has remained the same. Giving teachers some support um, has continued, but it's on a much, um, oh, it's not as robust. It's not as robust right. fully featured in all the support professional development. And it's also fractured because it's not all Apple. Right. Right. So I think, you know, there was a period where it was really looking at the devices and what the device would be and not looking at the teaching and learning that was, you know, involved because of that. So the other thing that we um, often hear when out when we go out of the state and present is that other school districts throughout the United States don't have the robust internet service that we have in our schools, and that was a huge component of the program because you could bring in all these devices, and if you didn't support, if Apple hadn't supported, the state hadn't supported that, um, you wouldn't. You just would have had spinning your wheels and not been able to really provide a change in teaching and learning. So that's kind of the big, you know, where, where we're at now is there's a big, um, the other part of that, there's a big upgrade going on now with the internet providers and the, this part I don't understand all, but the, the, the racks and the servers that you have in your district. So that, that is starting to morph into something else. And they're hoping that the state is still going to provide that support for it and that school districts don't have to provide their own support. And the other piece to this that is really remarkable is the um, main virtual library network has, um, it's paid for by you know, from the State Department of Education. So every library, every school system has this virtual library and all of the, um, Alice, what do you call all the different categories that people can have? The um, the online databases? Yes, 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 yes. Like yeah. sub subscriptions to those databases? Yes. Research. yes. That's all provided from the state. And so that has made a tremendous impact in, um, in throughout yep. this. Well, fantastic. Well, that's good background. Uh, here in the show notes, we'll, we'll have links to, to follow Alice and Cheryl and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the show, but why don't we, why don't we jump into some links? And, um, I think, Cheryl, you had, you dropped several of these, uh, in just as we were about to, to go on. Is there a particular, uh, tool? You've got a couple things in honor of some different things or just open it up to, what would sure. you like to share and start with? Sure. Well, let me just start with um, Autism Month because this is right now, um, April. And I'm um, talking about mo any of these extensions or apps are from the um, Chrome browser. And the ones that I'm mentioning are free. But there's a an app called Plasma, P-L-A-Z-M-A, and it's a sensory app that's free on your Chrome extension. And it's kind of like a lava lamp. And it just provides that calming influence for any of your challenged learners, challenged adults. It's a nice break throughout the day. Um, the other one that I found was through WGBH in Boston. So it's a PBS, public broadcasting. And there's a program called... Um, Meet, uh, meet Plum and her friends. And there are these 
readers for um, young kiddos. And what I paired that with is my geek of the week that I'll talk about more in detail. But um, it's a, another extension in Chrome that allows the student and or teacher to provide differentiation options for challenged readers. You can slow down the rate for um, listening to text. Um, and so all of these, that Claro tool that I'll talk about is um, readily accessible right on your screen and it's a free one too. But it's my, my whole, um, thing that I kept on looking at when I had, when I was looking for these links is just to see how, um, PBS has kept up with the digital, um, access that elementary students now have. And so they've really provided a lot of tools and stories and science stories that teachers can access. Absolutely. Shelly and I have both participated in the PBS Digital Innovator Program, and she uh, at ISTE a couple years ago got got to do their their meetup. And so we've gotten familiar with their tools and, you know, they're finding their way. That, that Digital Innovator Group is a little bit like an ADE group or a, or a special Google group in terms of, um, you know, pulling teachers together. I think what's interesting about PBS, we were talking earlier about creation with AR and they have so much great content. Right. And so a lot of it is to become aware of their content and to be able to, to consume it and to read it. I mean, I think we've gravitated Shelly, especially to the PBS scratch junior app because mm -hmm. of course, computational thinking and coding all of that, you know, with, with PBS characters, but it is good to see PBS and it's, there's a lot of free resources out there you know, that are, that are very engaging to bring into your classroom. So is, can you tell us about Claro? Cause that's an extension. Is that like a read to me extension or what does it do? Yes. It's a, it's an extension in Chrome and it will allow you to, you know, on the surface of a web page or even in that PBS, um, you know, section of a reader, you can have that text read to you. Um, also in Claro, you can speak into it and it will type the text for you. So it's got a couple of different ways that you can use it. Really easy to use. And the reason that I picked um, the PBS, that particular link, is because I can just envision Shelly going into a classroom and she only has five minutes to set something up and the kids would be able to manage that throughout the day. If it was a center, they'd be able to listen to that or, or have a partner read or have the Claro read to them. So those two things paired together would be independent, you know, independent in a classroom. Awesome. Is Claro uh, kind of like um, read, write? Yes. Google? Is it, is it a, you get some free and then subscribe sort of right. thing? Right. Is it right. tied with that free text tools and read write for Google or is it a different? No, one? it's a separate one. Okay, good. Well, I've worked quite a bit with our learning resource team at our school and drawn on many of your uh, shares for, you know, different accessibility tools and things like that. And it's almost where, you know, we're not one to one, but we have different teachers and people talking about it and from an accessibility and a, a learning differences and just, you know, providing differentiation, giving kids you know, the opportunity to not just have it traditional, but have it read to them, have, you know, pictures, have synonyms. It's, uh, those, those tools are phenomenal. Well, why don't we go down to Apple event? Last week there, there was an Apple event. I, I watched the live chat. This one, they didn't have, you know, um, an actual video, uh, live that you could watch. It was in Chicago. Um, and I dropped, we usually have some Apple links. And so I put in a Verge article from April 3rd. Um, Apple hires Google's former AI boss to help improve Siri. So I think that is, that is positive. It's interesting, all the news that's happening now, right, with Facebook. And we might talk a little bit about that, but they've just said, you know, Zuckerberg's going to testify now on April 11th. And there's all this Cambridge Analytica. And so Google, you know, it's not, we're not hearing a lot about Google, but, you know, and they, they weren't a part of any of, of these, um, incidents, which people debate whether they're hacks or not. But anyway, on yeah. Apple and their event, I, uh, I don't know if you all had shared this, but I I did switch to an Android phone in November before I went to Egypt. 
And so that's been both good and bad. The best thing is it's a 5,000 milliamp battery and it cost mm-hmm. 140 bucks. So wow. like I actually didn't charge my phone last night and it lasted till five o'clock today. So wow. that, was, that was not happening with my iPhone. It's a little bit like going back to an iPhone four, but mm-hmm. almost not as good because the speaker, if I do, you know, play audio and then the microphone to record, I still use my iPad for that. But anyway, I just was, was curious on what y'all's thoughts on the Apple event are. And, and I guess I'm glad to see this announcement that Apple's going to try to tackle their AI because we also, over the holidays, finally invested in smart assistants at the house. And the Google Home Mini went down to $30, yeah. so like four wow. of them. So we and, and I can listen to podcasts. I am Harry Potter. I mean, I have my, my <laughs> Apple pencil, right, with my stylus I'm drawing on, and that looks like a wand to me. And then <laughs> if you say the words right, not only can you get it to play podcasts, but you can pause. And I just learned today, by the way, that there's a difference in, st- in pausing a podcast and stopping it with the Google uh, Home because – when you say stop, then it records the timestamp and I can go to another room with another Google Home and say, you know, play it and it will resume where I left wow. off. So, I mean, that is really magical as far as the words because, and then we're, we have thunderstorms at night, you know, in our bedroom all the time now because we could have done that other ways, but yeah. I think that's Shelly's favorite part. <laughs> anyway, what do you all think about uh, Apple where they are with stuff? And have you, have you all jumped into smart assistants? Do you have the home pod? Is that right behind you there, Alice? What? Where are no, you? no, I, I have, I have an Alexa. Uh-huh. Oh, and we have to say Madam A because there, there may be some people. Right. Yeah, we'll trigger yeah. it. Okay. Sorry. Oh, nope. sorry. That's all right. Forgot about that. That's all right. <laughs> um, and I have, obvi- I have an iPhone. So Siri on my, I can I say Siri? You can say Siri. <laughs> I think so. Siri on my iPhone. I, you know. I, it's really nice for playing music, but I don't use it a lot. Yeah. So for music and podcasts, yes, it's great. But other than that, I don't really, I, I don't want it to shop for me. Yeah. I, I'm shop. Yeah. I do shop and add, add the items and, and that kind of thing. Well, and then we don't order it, you know, directly, but that, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have ours, we have the Google mini and we, have ours hooked up to our heat and um, our nest. So we can control that here and at our um, house and wells. So that has been a nice feature. Um, You know, we have a lot of people on weekends and somebody's always got a question like, you know, when is Villanova playing at the March Madness? You know, so those questions just go out randomly. I love the jokes. So that's always fun to get a knock-knock joke or a dad joke. They love the dad jokes. <laughs> now, is it different when you say, tell me a riddle versus tell me a joke, or is that all the same? Or have oh, you I'm not sure. Because some of the riddles, or there's some things now, they're like stories that you oh. can interact and it'll give you some choices. Or yeah. anyway, I haven't, we haven't, we haven't jumped into that too much. And that's another place where it's going to be fun to see as we can create yeah. these. You know, it, it refined things on Wikipedia. And when I went to Ohio and did a talk, uh, I, I had my Google Mini uh, define digital citizenship. And I tried to edit the Wikipedia article to see if I could change <laughs> what she'd say. That didn't work. No, but, no. It's good for recipes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've, I've done that. You know, you don't have to... Oh. Flip pages or get your fingers all over your phone. We do timers all the time, you know, yeah. in the kitchen as far as having a different, and we can have more than one timer, you know, going. So yeah. that's a good thing. Well, what about, what about the Apple event? Are you, did, I mean, iPads, I guess, are, are more of elementary for you all, Alice. And so that, do you guys have any, any carts or and do kids shoot stuff just on their phones and then move it over to their computers? And did you all feel like the, the earth moved with the Apple event or any thoughts about it? No, not not really, because we're we just purchased our iPads last fall, so it's a done deal for a while. So we're not really looking. So I think we didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. Right. Um. But I will say that I finally updated my phone the other day to iOS 11. Whoa! Boy, boy am I sorry I did that. Oh, really? My battery is running out so fast now. Mm. 
It's so frustrating. Well, definitely look at your location services. I don't know if it's Android, but I've become more attuned to that. And it makes a huge difference for me to have those location services off Uh, and to, um, you know, just not have any other radios on when I don't, when I don't need them. No, I went through all that stuff and really? uh, yeah, it's really frustrating. So, well, you would think by now that that stuff would be resolved because they've come out with multiple updates. So know? maybe there's something on that I just haven't figured out yet. But anyway, that, that's all. That's the only thing about Apple. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but, sure. but, but, um, I think in ter- down the road, I think this education device. Might be a good thing to get more, to give more kids access to technology. I mean, it's going to make it, or it sounds like it's going to make it this less expensive iPad might make it easier for schools, but I don't know. It's really the same though. I mean, we were, we, we we were buying them for 300, you know, it's like they're just advertising the discount, I think, which is $30 and the pencil's a little less, but if you put a case with it, you're, you're more more like 450 or something like that. Um, so I, it's interesting how Apple is making a bet that they, they want to keep this, the touchscreen separate. Right. And I am so interested in what Microsoft is doing, although, some of our experiences at school, we've got about four Surface Book users and some, and some of them love it. We've actually with Google, we've had some playing problems. Um, but I just, with what we see with Chrome and the convertibles and all of that, you know, I'm excited to see that mature. Um, there's a Lenovo 300e Chromebook now that I don't know how this works, but it, it uses an actual graphite pencil. So you have a regular pencil with number what? two things. Yes. And that's what you write on with your stylus. You don't have to have anything. Oh separate. my gosh. And so we haven't piloted that yet, but that came out at CES and they're shipping now. But, you know, we've got, you know, teachers flipping their class with math and kids doing stuff. And so I just actually, I I started making Media Mondays this week at school. And so we did sketch noting and we had our iPads and got to give everyone a stylus who came. And anyway, I just, I love that whole aspect, right? Of being able to draw and the Apple Pencil, it's magical. I'm not making that up and I'm not, you know, exaggerating, you know, rest your hand on it. You know, Procreate is my favorite app for that. And I'm only, you know, and it's like looking out at the, not just the Milky Way galaxy, but the whole universe of possibilities. And like, I'm on one planet of brushes (laughs) and colors, you know, because it's just so incredible when you see the the possibilities of what people can do. But anyway, I, I'm, Apple is still, I think, the innovation there. And then on the AirPlay, you know, being wireless, we've been having more and more Apple TVs and our teachers are really enjoying being able to not have to be tethered to their desk and all that. So we're definitely invested with with MacBooks for most teachers and and Apple's leading and all that. But the whole thing about where I I think it must be the innovator's dilemma because, you know, we've got so much success with this iPad. Yeah. You know, we're afraid to put it with a laptop. But if Apple does that, maybe that's where iOS is going to merge with Mac OS. I mean, they've, we've seen the app store and those things happen. So, well, given those Chromebooks that flip back and you can write on the other side, yeah. I can't imagine that that isn't in Apple's future. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're taking away all the things that you can plug into it. So yeah. it, it's feeling more and more like the computer's turning into an iPad. I think you're right. Peggy's asking in the chat room, Alice, do you have an iPhone 6? You might be eligible for battery replacement. No, it's an iPhone 7. Thank you, Peggy. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Okay. Um, I don't know what that's... What are we doing for time here? You must be watching that. Uh, we got about 20 minutes. So we'll do oh. Geeks of the Week, you know, with five or 10 minutes left. So we're okay. doing fine. Can I jump in and talk about um, this program that um, Actum... You know, and we we think about when Maine went one to one with seventh and eighth graders. We were kind of a leader, and whenever we went to workshops, kind of a leader, the national of. leader. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> People were always, you know, asking how that happened. Well, here's I think the next jumping off spot, and um, the name of the website is teachwonder.com. And they've teamed up not only with um, our Actum group, which is our main technology group, but they've also teamed up with Colorado, Wyoming, 
New York, Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And basically what it is, is a self-contained 12-hour professional development for teachers to learn how to code and use robotics in their classroom. And um, Maine and, and probably all these other states that I mentioned have a great price point for classroom teachers to buy into the professional development, which is normally like $300 or $400, and you get the robot. And um, I don't know if I should say what our price point is because I'm not sure what the other states have. But anyways. I think I, you should say it. We're only going to have five other people listen to this. $25 for a class for a person to get in the professional development and the robot. So Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, teachers have to be a member of Actum, which our memberships are very reasonable. But I just think that that might be the next wave with merging coding and robotics, getting that into the hands of elementary teachers, middle school teachers. So it's not just the computer teacher, not just a science unit. It's anybody would be able to use this. And, you know, the fact that it's several states in the United States and Maine, um, it talks about having a community. And I think that's where I'll, um, when we were in the seed project, getting teachers up to speed on teaching and learning, that I think is the key component that is really going to transform using this, um, robotic, it's called dash and dot for six year olds and up. And then they're coming out with the middle school version, um, for 11 year olds and up in June. So I just think that, you know, it's not only Maine. I don't want to say that it's, you know, Maine is leading this, but there are several other states where this is really going to be the next thing. And I think it's going to combine the STEM with the makerspace and creating. Absolutely. Great point. And, I, you know, robotics, we're, we're uh, still in somewhat early days at our school with, with makerspace and those kind of things. And, you know, having robotics that just to tell a personal story. So Rachel, our, our, our youngest eighth grade has taken two computer classes. She took a, a seventh grade. Well, maybe she's taken three actually. She, she had the a seventh grade class. And anyway, this year she's done robotics, Lego robotics with Dr. Emerson. And, uh, last year they, um, uh, with uh Dr. Emerson, we, we have Minecraft. And so he got into the Minecraft turtles and, you mm -hmm. know, she's, loves Minecraft and, you know, coded her turtles to build a tree and to make these things. But she really got set on fire with some excitement with the robotics, you know, and she'd come to me one day as dad, would, are there jobs using this? You know, and it's yeah. like, yes, honey, but man, you really <laughs> experience so much, you know, all kinds of things in the teen years, but the whole math anxiety, the whole, yeah. can I do it? You know, am I seeing myself as a capable math person? So in our high school, we have a much, I would say, math-oriented track for coding. We don't have the robotics. Oh. We've got something called Science Olympiad, which has been wonderful. And we've won the Oklahoma State title and gone to nationals. I think the last four years they just did that again this last weekend. But anyway, I really agree that robotics and the physicality of that, the way in which coding is manifested in the real world, and the excitement that that happens around all that. I think it's, it's something important for all schools to have. And so whether you're starting with after school or it's something that's f finding its way into a maker space, mm -hmm. um, uh, that's exciting. Um, Shelly has done some stuff with wonder workshop before as well. So, but I hadn't heard of this program and this, this sounds pretty awesome. So yeah, maybe people need to sign up to be active members. And maybe. <laughs> Awesome. Suddenly our out-of-state membership goes flying through the roof. That's right. What's up with all these Oklahomas? Yep. Yep. Hmm. Well, I think Teach Wonder has a component that's like um, the Makerspace kit. And I think the Dash and Dot is their, their robotics, one that they're starting up. And then the Q is the next level for okay. them. So. Okay. Um, so maybe there are people out there who have started with Teach Wonder with that makerspace type, you know, creation. Right, right. 
Well, that's that is superb stuff. Well, I'll do a quick article and then let's talk a little bit about. Maybe we'll mention the DNS stuff quickly and then talk a little bit of Facebook. Um, so I don't know if you all saw this. Uh, New York Times, March 20th. The company Ripple, they funded every single donor's choose yes. in the country. So $29 million of classroom what? projects. Yes, they just funded what? them all. If you haven't had a donor's choose, boom, you were just yeah. funded. Oh, my gosh. And that just happened. So what a wonderful thing. I mean, we've had our local foundations and different groups, you know, doing some matches and stuff like that. Um, when I was, you know, teaching fourth and fifth grade STEM in UConn, you know, a couple years ago, um, that's how I got Spheros. And um you know, it's uh it's a wonderful, wonderful program. So do you all have donors choose projects going? Has that been something that's that you've seen teachers do, or have you all written those yourselves? Um, I didn't write any, but we um I get I'm on their list, so I get emails about somebody in the neighboring towns has a donor choose and you know what I like to be part of that. But I think that's great because number one, it was a classroom teacher most likely that wrote wrote the program. And um, that means it's not going to go in a closet and sit someplace. It's going to get in the hands of kids. And we have a very interesting person here in Maine who funds STEM. Oh, uh, right. Funds STEM. If you want to get a 3D printer, he'll fund it for you. And then, but what the the flip side is that you have to show how you're using it in your classroom and he will come visit. And so, yeah. You guys have all kinds of cool stuff (laughs) up there. I'll give him a shout out. His name's Dave Perloff. Yep. And he has funded probably, I don't even know how many schools with, 3D printers, robotics. He's looking at, um, uh, is he doing CNC or I'm not sure right now, but he's laser laser cutters, maybe laser cutters. He's just very interested in how basically STEM slash these kinds of tools fit into classroom. What can we do with them and what's innovative about them? And, Boy, that's been awesome Yeah, for so many schools to get that equipment. That's great. If you want to drop in later, Alice, uh, maybe an article, if there's anything about him or schools that have gotten his funding. Here's another quick one. Um, I think this is really, we're doing a lot with digital citizenship. In fact, I'll plug our little website, digsit.us. It's one that we've set up for our school with short videos that have four or five questions that teachers can use either in lower, middle, or upper grades to have a conversation about a digital citizenship topic. And so anyway, uh, We've talked a lot about, you know, with parents, we had some parent events before spring break. We're about to to bring parents and kids. Shelly's getting some of her third graders to show some of their coding projects. And it's part of what in these conversations, it's not just about, you know, of course, how do we lock stuff down? How do we protect? What are you going to do with with things, you know? I mean, we did. I won't. I won't say who, but we actually blocked Snapchat for about you know eight months for someone in our house. Um, sometimes you got to do these things, but anyway, it's not just about locking stuff down. It's also about recognizing how exciting and wonderful you know screens can be and what kids can un- be unleashed to make and create and discover with these kinds of tools. So anyway, we've been talking about uh, safety, and I'm, I'd mentioned this Open DNS which we used years ago when Alexander was younger. I learned about it at the Apple store at that time. That's how they were protecting their fil- you know, f- the filtering when people would come use it. And, and it's uh, a number that you put into the router and that makes all the traffic that's just connected on your Wi-Fi to go through the filter. Well, a couple articles uh, from April the 1st in The Verge, Cloudflare has a new service um, that they say will speed up your internet, but it's also a protection thing. And I put in an article from Ars Technica back in November of 2017, Quad9. So, so here are the different, a lot of people, if you're into this, okay, Google is 8.8.8.8. So you can put uh-huh. that in and, and sometimes that makes your, um, your internet go faster because you have to have DNS to convert the word 
CNN.com or whatever, you know, into numbers. So quad nine is four nines in a row and they are focused on blocking malicious sites. So it's actually a way kind of like your firewall does at school where it's going to stop certain sites to say, wait a minute, we know, you know, it's bad stuff here. And so now there's Cloudflare. And then I put in an article from Linux.com on April 3rd that actually compares all three of them, Cloudflare, Google, and Quad9. Um, huh. and, well, and then open DNS too. Okay. So, so, huh. I don't, I don't know about Google X. I didn't even see that in the article, uh, headline. I just keyed in on Cloudflare. So anyway, that's, that's a, that's a security thing. So have, have you all played with any of those and what do you ever get asked about that, you know, from parents in terms of home internet? What do we do? That kind yes, of thing. All what, the time. What do you, what do you tell them? Um, so our recommendation is, First of all, have the computer in a central location. Um, it has the rules for your family have to be, have to work for your family. So they're not the same everywhere for every family. Um, so it kind of depends on how your, how many kids and what your rules are about phones and all of that. Um, we strongly recommend a time for kids to be done with using the internet. Um, I am, and then also, um, you know, worst case scenario, you might have to turn your internet off at, mm-hmm. at some point. Um, I, I have not been a propon- proponent of giving, of uh, suggesting tools like this to block because I, I feel like they change all the time. Sure. Or, People might not have the expertise to say. Well, you take a responsibility too. We were, Felix and I were talking about that last week. You make a recommendation. If it goes bad, oh, guess who? Yeah. Come back and talk to. So. And I guess what we're really trying to, to promote is responsibility, is helping kids be responsible for their internet use. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I did, um, just a quick, you know, I did a search before. We came on tonight just to see, you know, what was out there for digital citizenship and for parenting. And really it is this, I mean, the school's responsibility. I don't see physicians doing this for young families, you know, guiding them on the specifics on technology because, you know, then you'd have to have some training in it. But really it's that whole moderation, be involved, like Alice says, decide where the Devices are going to be in your home environment. Um, but it's just like telling your kid to eat their peas or come <laughs> in out of the rain, you know, but it's just the list has gotten longer yeah. in terms of all the things that you have to have in your parenting toolkit. Yeah. Parenting is more complex. The tool we've been using the last year is Circle by Disney and then mm-hmm. Circle Go and it's a hundred dollar white box that you put in your network. And then, you know, it can filter, but you can turn off individual apps. It it also just tells you screen time. You know, it tells you how yep. many total hours. And then there's a thing we pay $5 a month for. So the girls both, even when they're on their, you know, data plans and they're not at on Wi-Fi, I mean, it's, we've had, they do not like it. Rachel does not like the fact <laughs> I've told other parents about this, you know. Um, but that is... That's been a good tool. An interesting conversation, which I just had this week with a parent. Have you all heard of wait till eighth? No. So it's an Austin parent who wanted to wait until eighth grade, not your age eight, but eighth grade to give her child a phone. And so she has a website and it's a pledge. And so they advocate for other parents to get other parents to, to, to sign this. And so we have a, a parent who's very, um, you know, has strong feelings about that and has gotten some other parents to sign. So, you know, we're going to have those conversations because everything on that website is, is important. You know, Alice mentioned, you know, a time to, to, to quit, you know, sleep. Um, there's addictive tendencies that, well, yeah. you know, all these, these apps. I mean, I had trouble last night. We got, we have our teacher walkout happening this week in Oklahoma. You know, I mean, they've got so much stuff going on. Um, Anyway, they're good conversations to have, but I think we do have to be careful, you know, as we make advice and the tools are always changing. Well, and something that's sort of come up in the last couple months maybe is 
is the game Fortnite. Have you run? Well, wow. my mom sent me an article about it, and I've glanced but didn't didn't read it. So it's, tell me what what your so it's um it's kind of a mashup of it's a multiplayer game. You play in a team. It's a first. Well, I would call it a first person shooter, although I I think a lot of people don't agree with that. Um, and it's kind of like a mashup of Minecraft and, uh, oh, I don't know. It looks a little second lifey almost to me in some ways. And the kids are completely besotted with it. Huh. It's amazing how quick, it's kind of the same idea as when Pokemon Go came out. It's yep. that. Have you all seen the movie Ready Player One that came Not out yet. Friday? Yeah. It's awesome. I've st- I just started to read the book, um, which I guess doesn't quite, you know, the book, of course, is better. But wow, virtual reality, yeah. the world we're headed. And it's very dystopian, right? In fact, yeah. Oklahoma City is the original, or Norman, which is south of us, is the original place. They moved it to Ohio for the movie. But anyway, just as far as rich and poor and you know, opportunities to escape, but, but like I'm reading the book, this isn't in the movie, but like he, he completely goes to school. He gets permission from his school district in the book to attend school completely, you know, online because every school online has every resource, has every, you know, it's just beautiful and well-funded and anything. So that's anyway, kind of interesting with what's going on with strikes and and all the stuff we're fighting for funding here. Okay, really quick, we're, we're, we'll run a little bit over time, but that's okay. Facebook, um, some, I downloaded all of my Facebook data last night. I don't know if you all have done that yet. Mine was over yeah. 600 megabytes. Um, so I've got a link, uh, to a couple things here. How to download all your data from Facebook. It might be a wake up call. That's Washington Post on March 27th. Um, also how to download a copy of everything Google knows about you from CNBC on March 30th. We've talked about this before. Google's been very forthright. Go to history.google.com. I don't think there's any mysteries. They've got uh-huh. Google Takeout, you know, for the first time we've sent that out to students to say, you know, at the, you know, before, well, we're going to be even better this year, multiple months ahead of time. In fact, I've got to, got to send that out. I think now is one of the first things to say, Hey, graduation's coming. You know, be aware yeah. that your, your account will be canceled such and such date. You know, after graduation, use Google Takeout, copy all your data to another account, et cetera. Um, the Hacker News article from March 25th about Facebook collecting your Android call history and SMS data. Um, I guess that is just an Android thing. It's not an iPhone user thing. And even though I'm using Android, I think you had to download Messenger or something else. It wasn't just Facebook. So anyway, I didn't have any phone data that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but today's New York Times, Facebook says Cambridge Analytica harvested data of up to 87 million users. So that's more than before. And this includes um, Zuckerberg, them saying Zuckerberg's going to go before Congress on April 11th. So thoughts? Is this a big deal? <laughs> Is this just we're the rest, we're kind of waking up to how we've been the product for many years with these things? Or what do y'all think? Well, I've always been uneasy when I've clicked on something and it says, would you like me to notify all your contacts? I'm like, no, (laughs) but that's so easy to click right past if you're the happy clicker. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, yeah. And Facebook has just, uh, I think, made it a little easier for you. I, I listen to the Note to Self podcast. That's one that uh, Jason, who's on the show with me, he's mm-hmm. doing dissertation writing. So, but he, I love it. It's really a great podcast about being thoughtful with your technology. But some of the investigations they had done into Facebook, and this was into Cambridge way before this latest, you know, hoopla, um, you know, got me realizing the things that I like, the things that I've put on there. Um, you know, it's, it's all part of this package. And one of the, I've got to confirm this, but I went through and cleared out all kinds of stuff that I deleted because I had just, you know, I've been liking a lot of stuff on Facebook. I think all those things are still saved in my yeah, Facebook really? document. So that caused me last night. I tweeted this and said, you know, <laughs> if I would delete my phone number, does that really delete it? Because yep. based on all the things it says are my interests and my likes, I have cleaned up big time. 
but I don't think it matters. And, and I heard the, the <laughs> reference for this is Tech News Weekly, which is a, a twit podcast. And they, they said that toothpaste doesn't go back in the tube. You know? <laughs> so that, with your data, oh kind of, kind of wild to see all that. Cause I saw that and saw it and thought, wait a minute, I deleted that. Oops. No, nope, yeah. you really didn't. We still have it. Well, Wes and Alice, what about the Google Home Minis and the Alexa? Yeah. She yeah. is always listening. And so we were having some pretty political conversations with the millennials a couple of weeks ago. And I said, uh, I wanted to go over and unplug it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, po- we're poised to share even more data out there and to be susceptible to hacks I think that, you know, we need regulation. It's been the Wild West for a long time. We yeah. would be, we would continue to be a naive public if we said, oh, Facebook will just regulate themselves. But it's a dangerous road. What is that going to mean for Google? Europe is doing the GPDR. I don't know what that acronym is, but you know, they're, they're making changes to how companies store their data, share their data, allow you to get your data. And one of the other articles I don't have in the notes, but, but, uh, Facebook said they're not going to take those European standards and put them across the world. They're going to just, you know, do that inside mm-hmm. Europe. So I think, I think we're going to see regulation. I think we're going to see some, some things happen, but you're right. Um, you know, what are we going to share? And I'm, I haven't written a post about it, but I, I kind of want to defend Google because I think that. I think they do a very honest job of trying not to be evil. Yes, they collect your information, but I could go in there today and delete my Google history. And I, I'm thinking there, I'm really deleting it now. Maybe, yep. maybe not, but anyway, Alice, what do you think? Yep. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's, it's a, a question of, of being upfront and that I feel like Facebook was being a little clandestine behind the scenes stuff that, and really taking advantage. And I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's quite an education, I guess is the best way to say it, but I totally agree. I think Google's been upfront always saying we collect your data. Um, and yeah, I guess. I guess that's where that's I'm where at. Yeah. All right. Well, we probably better do some geeks of the week and we are a little bit over, over the top of the hour. So, um, I'll go first. Um, Already? I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. It's the top of the hour. Okay. I've learned mine on this tech news weekly, which I've learned thanks to my Google home because I can say, Google, what's my briefing or Hey Google. Oh, well, I won't, I shouldn't yeah. say, Hey G, <laughs> Hey G, good morning. You know, and it tells me my and it goes into my news feed, which I have customized. So this is one of the podcasts I have. Uh, so this is a website called busy kids allowance chores, kids, uh, chore, uh, chart app. And, the thing that got me about this podcast was they were saying how today kids more than any other generation are growing up where money is an abstraction. They may rarely see cash. They may rarely use cash. Parents rarely do. And so the the guy who designed this is a financial planner and, you know, wanted it personally for his own kids. And so anyway, we're, we have, we're, we haven't used it and I just learned about it yesterday, but this idea, and then we have cryptocurrencies and all these things like, what is money? And how do you develop good routines and habits with money? And then how does it become real? Almost like in a coding way where robotics can make coding manifest and be real with money. You know, it's, it's this, vir- it is a virtual thing now. And so anyway, that's my geek of the week. So Cheryl, what do you have? Cool. Well, it's Claro that I've talked a little bit about already. Um, what I liked about Claro is that it's just a simple toolbar that goes right over your screen. Or if you opened up a PDF, it would go right over the PDF. And it works also with Google Docs. The paid version allows you to do speech to text. Um, I, I love um, text help and read write. And that's usually my go-to. But I think this Claro software is just really easy to use, puts the toolbar right there, um, doesn't use too much of the resources on your computer, and anybody can manage it, first grader. Awesome. Alice? Uh, well, my geek of a week is kind of a mashup of 12 augmented reality apps students can use today. So 
It's an article from eSchool News. It just talks about all the different apps that are out there to, that are worth trying. Um, yeah, it's not, I, I mean, it's very, as we talked earlier, it's very in its rudimentary stages, but I think, you know, seeing the engagement from kids today and, and I work in high school, so kids can be cynical about stuff like this. Um, mm. I was pretty, pretty happy that nobody, nobody thought it wasn't engaging. So. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's very new. You know, this is yep. the absolute cutting edge stuff. Okay. And you got the merge cube object viewer and then the Dave Perloff link too. So that is awesome. Okay. Well, this has been the EdTech Situation Room. Uh, we're going to say where you can find us. So Wes Fryer, I'm W Fryer on Twitter and I'm periodically still blogging on speedofcreativity.org. And do want to plug the digital citizenship website, digsit.us, as I'm continuing to work with others at our school. And, uh, hopefully we've got a contribute section. Um, we'll have others that, you know, will either find or create narrated slideshows that summarize some of these um, topics because Common Sense Media, many others have great curriculum, um, but it's a dynamic world. <laughs> There's things always coming up and it's important for us, depending upon, of course, the age and situation with students, you know, to, to go beyond some of the basic um, digital citizenship or safety kinds of lessons and things that we might do. So Cheryl, where can people find you? As you're skiing and enjoying the, the world of retirement. Mostly I've been on Facebook Live doing my ski reports, but um, CherylOaks.com, I have a feeling that once this uh, conference season gets going, I'll be a little more writing a little bit more there. And CherylOaks50 on Twitter. All right. And Alice? I'm at Alice Barr on Twitter, and I have AliceBarr.com. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, we are here on most Wednesday nights, and generally we are at 9 p.m. Central, uh, which works out to be 8 p.m. Mountain for Jason. Jason will be probably out another two weeks, although he had shared on Twitter and Facebook some other places that he got his first complete draft of his dissertation done. Wow. So. Yay. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. So if you got suggestions for guests, I'll be, uh, we've got a booked up through this week and I need to, need to scramble and, and find a couple guests here for the next couple of weeks. So Peggy, if you've got any suggestions, Peggy, maybe you want to be on the show. You're our biggest yeah. fan. So yeah. Let me know if you want to come. But anyway, uh, we want to encourage everyone to subscribe. You can subscribe on, on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Pocket Cast, my favorite app for both iOS and Android, as well as the Google environment. If you're in the home uh, environment, I'm not sure if, if uh, Madam A is yet able to do that, but we're on edtechsr.com. You can subscribe on YouTube and you can again catch those links on edtechsr.com slash links. Thank you so much, Alice and Cheryl, for joining and please just share our love with those up there that we know and keep, yes. keep living life and join it. And hopefully you're done with Nor'easters, right? You only have I know. I uh, know. There's one more next week. Oh no. Okay. Well, inches of snow tomorrow, right? Up in up north. Yeah, they had. Yeah, the county had ten inches today. We only had two. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll come visit in the fall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good idea. Thank you for coming on an hour earlier. Yes. Oh, of thank course. You so much. Absolutely, it was wonderful to be with y'all. So. Good to we'll see you. All right. All right. See y'all later. Yeah. Bye. Bye.